Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Our guest today is Paul Prophet, who has an organization which I love the name of, Sundown Rundown. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Paul, as we always ask uh, our guests uh, first, a little bit about yourself personally before we get into to what I think will be a fascinating subject for our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so um, my name is Paul Prophet. I'm from uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, born and raised, and um, I've been involved with the uh, entrepreneurial community uh, within uh, Central Ohio for a number of years since the late 90s. I was involved with a couple of business incubators, and um, kind of the, the bug has always stayed with me. And um, as I've uh, went through my uh, my schooling at the uh, Fisher College of Business at Ohio State and going through their entrepreneurial curriculum and uh, you know entering their business plan competition, um, just have really kind of uh, stuck with it and have found a, a need to really uh, uh, work with entrepreneurs and, and help them out to uh, make their um, businesses as, as successful as possible. Well, that's fascinating. So now, tell us about Sundown Rundown. Yeah, sure thing. Um, it's a uh, nonprofit organization. Um, it was um, started about uh, a year ago, and what it was originally formed as was a uh, business pitch event series so that entrepreneurs could uh, go pitch their idea in front of an audience of other entrepreneurs, um, local investors, mentors, and potential talent to help them uh, take their uh, business idea to the next step. So it's really all about uh, creating uh, more collisions in the space to create connections and to, to really help out the entrepreneur. And uh, felt that this was a, a fun way to do it. It's in a laid-back environment. We usually do it at a bar or a restaurant and uh, obviously at night. Um, so it's a little bit more laid-back and really more of a uh, coaching, mentoring uh, feedback session, uh, not, not a... Uh, not a shark tank, more like uh, more like a manatee uh, petting zoo, more than anything. Well, that, that's interesting because it's always uh, uh, fascinating me how people uh, really find the help to uh, avoid um, the mistakes that we've all made. So, uh, go a little further. Uh, what happens at a typical event like this? Yeah, so uh, basically we have about uh, 30 or 40 people um, in the audience. Um, the, uh, there's a series of, of uh, people lined up to pitch. Uh, they have five minutes to, to pitch their idea. 
Uh, we usually cover topics in their pitch in terms of, you know, what is the market opportunity, what problem are they trying to solve, how are they going to uh, make money solving that problem, and then what is the ask um, of the audience. And that ask could be anywhere from uh, monetary uh, support in terms of an investment to just being able to, to make a connection. Uh, we've had uh, one uh, company pitch who was a, uh, a toy manufacturer, and uh, he was a student in engineering at Ohio State, and he really needed help in terms of making connections with um, with uh, toy manufacturers and distribution channels and things like that. And it turned out that one of the people in the audience was someone who was a uh, senior manager with the uh, Mattel toy company who had since retired. And so they made a connection there, and uh, they've been uh, you know working on uh, taking the, the project forward uh, from there. Um, and then uh, after they're done pitching, they have five minutes of, of feedback and Q&A from the audience. And then um, after that, you know, usually a quick break, and then we bring up the next, the next group, and uh, we just kind of go in succession. Um, the events usually last about an hour, hour and a half, and it's really a chance to, uh, to network and make those connections. And, and you're in central Ohio doing this. Yeah, so we initially started off in Central Ohio, um, and then as kind of word spread, we've kind of uh, franchised out other people who have, have approached me and said, you know, I'd really like to have a, an event like this in my city, and I, I give them the, the, the brand and the, and the feedback and, and the support to help them take it to, to the city, to the city of their choosing. So we've actually got um, chapters in uh, Akron, Ohio, uh, Mansfield, Ohio, uh, we have a new one that's going to be having their first event in the end of May um, up in Canton, Ohio. And we also have a New Albany, Ohio um, chapter, which is a uh, kind of a far, far-flung suburb of, uh, of Columbus. And uh, we're, we're constantly um, um, getting people interested in, in kind of uh, taking this model and, and uh, standing a uh, chapter up in their, own, in their own city to kind of... Uh, carry forward, um, you know, the, this method we've got of trying to, to make connections with entrepreneurs. Well, um, well, first off, how much does it cost to attend one of these events? Uh, it's absolutely free. We don't charge any admission. Uh, we don't charge anything for people to pitch. Uh, we do have a, a kind of a, uh, an interview process before we schedule someone to pitch, but it is pretty much just kind of going over their pitch, what is, what is their ask, is it, is it the right ask for the audience. It's really, it's really kind of just a, a way to really get the idea socialized uh, with them. So like I said, it's very, very easy for someone to come in and be able to pitch their idea um, to the audience. Um, the, only, the only thing that they, the person has to worry about paying for is if they decide to order food or, or you know, buy, a, buy a drink at the, at the restaurant. And that's, that's really all they they have to worry about in terms of uh, of uh, paying anything, and it's really on their own. Well, how do you make money? Um, I don't. We're a uh, we're a nonprofit, uh, so our our goal is to be a community organization that really um, helps foster foster entrepreneurship. Uh, we do have um, some sponsors that do uh, support some of our educational programming, uh, such as our lunch and launch workshops, and also our um, open houses that we hold at um, an incubator over at uh, over in New Albany called Inc. at 8000, uh, where we do work with the city to help kind of showcase 
uh, what's going on over there. Uh, but other than that, the uh, the business pitch event series is is free and open, and um, it's not a uh, money making vehicle um, that uh, that the organization does. Uh, are you part of a of a nonprofit? Uh, I'm curious how you make a living doing this. Um, do, you, uh, do you have a nonprofit? How, how does it work? How do you work? Um, I have a full time day job. I, I oh, make okay. my money um, in a uh, in a different business, and where most people have, uh, you know, hobbies of playing golf or making model airplanes or whatever. My hobby is uh, helping entrepreneurs, uh, you know, make their businesses, you know, succeed and help them take the next step. And that's that's really kind of what I'm doing uh, in a uh, as a public service to the community. And there are other like-minded individuals. Um, around the state um, that, that see value in, in, in doing this, and they have dedicated to volunteer their time to, um, as, as an extracurricular activity to you know, run these independent chapters. Well, that's ter- terrific. I wish there were more people like you around, uh, especially in the small business area. Uh, what are some of the typical um, uh, pitches? And uh, Well, you gave one already with the toy, but um, uh, what are the ben- what are the benefits for the people that attend who aren't, who aren't pitching? Uh, well, it's just a way for them to really kind of uh, you know tap into the entrepreneurial community. There's a lot of people who have who attend the events who are like you know I work for X Y and Z company, but I've got some good ideas. I'm not exactly sure where to start, and you know I you know do I pitch my idea right off the bat? Do I need to raise money. A lot, of, a lot of people have lots of questions on what is entrepreneurship and how can I get into it and, and where do I fit in. And, and uh, basically, it, this is a, it's a good forum for people to help kind of figure out, you know, what they want to do, what's the next thing they want to do if they don't want to, uh, you know, have the nine-to-five job but want to, you know, break out and start their own businesses. And here's a chance to, to talk to people who have, who have gone through that experience uh, here's a way to get some inspiration on on being able to, you know, de- what to do, what are the steps to develop your own idea into a business, and really try to reach out and find, you know, mentors and and potential partners in in executing uh, a business idea. And I think that that's kind of the big benefit of of attending these events is just really the whole um, community focus around entrepreneurship and and kind of growing businesses and and collaboratively working together to, you know, to build something that, that uh, could be awesome. It really could. If, if, someone, uh, wanted, if one of our audience wanted to reach you, maybe start a chapter in there, uh, how, how can they do it? Uh, they can uh, come straight to the website. It's uh, sundownrundown.org. Um, they can submit a, uh, a question through the, the Contact Us page. Um, or they can directly send uh, send me an email at info i n f o at uh, sundownrundown.org, and uh, I'll I, I check all the email and I uh, will get back in touch with them and and uh, talk about how they would like to either you know come to one of our events and, and pitch their idea or to um, see about um, what it would take to to start up a chapter in their own uh, in their own city. Um, I, I just think it's so terrific what you're doing. Um, uh, it, it's the first one that I've run across. I've been in, in this uh, in this space for almost 20 years, 
So uh, it, it's uh, well. Let me ask you: How does the the restaurant benefit? Obviously, people come. Do you do it on an off night? What do you, What do you do? Uh, we usually um, are in a um, in one of the um, back rooms, uh, one of their party rooms, and things like that. They usually uh, make their money off of, uh, of food and beverage sales from the from the attendees. Um, it's really just you know finding a finding a nice venue that has um, you know, widescreen TVs that we can plug into for presentations or has access to a, um, a projector where we can, you know, project the presentations in, in a, you know, relatively, you know, quiet space that people can, uh, you know, make their pitch. Um, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of an upside for them. I mean, if they, it's, as, as meeting spaces are not, not uh, used, they, they don't see the revenue from them. So they just, they, they love to have us in there and to really, um, you know, have stuff happen. I mean, we bring 30 to 40 people um, per event in, and so that's a nice, uh, nice thing for them to uh, to see some, you know, revenue from food and beverage sales. Um, uh, how often do you have these events? Once a month? Um, it depends on the market. Uh, so the uh, Akron, Canton, and Mansfield markets are somewhat smaller in terms of population. So they actually do their events quarterly. Um, the two chapters that I run in Columbus and New Albany, uh, we run those events monthly, mainly because we're in a uh, larger uh, major metro area. So we have enough uh, people who want to attend the events and enough uh, pitches to be able to support doing things monthly. Uh, it's it, it just I'm sitting here stunned and just fascinated by it. I know. Do you know of any other? I, I don't, don't know any other voluntary group like this. Uh, um, it just, okay. There, there are organizations like this um, around the country. Many of them, though, are tied to uh, universities. Um, for instance, in in uh, in at um, at Ohio State, they do have um, a program run through the Technology Commercialization Office. They call theirs Wake Up Startup. Um, it is usually held on it's once a, once a month on the last Friday, uh, or excuse me, the second Friday of every month at 7.30 in the morning. Um, I'm not a early riser coffee donuts guy, so that's one of the reasons why we, uh, we started up Sundown Rundown originally, was to have an evening event for more of the working professionals and people who have kids and stuff, and, and not necessarily um, students and not necessarily a direct uh, tech-focused um, set of, of businesses that would be pitching. So. Um, we kind of start as the alternative to to wake up startup, and then we've kind of uh, grown into kind of what we are now. Uh, but there are different types of, of pitch events, kind of like what we do around the country. And like I said, most of them are tied to uh, universities and technology commercialization offices, and a lot of them are very uh, student focused. And so we're trying to be the other, as it were. Well, how did you get the name? Rundown. Uh, we just basically, uh, I'm a big fan of doing alliteration and things like that. So as I said, we kind of started off as, as, as the opposite of Wake Up Startup uh, when we started. So it was just kind of, uh, it was kind of created as a joke of, of me throwing out names and um, everyone kind of said, hey, that's a great name. Why don't you stick with it? So um, thus, thus the name Sundown Rundown has, has stuck and has, uh, you know, proliferated into to other chapters. Well, uh, again, if people wanted 
to reach you and your website? Uh, yeah, they can they can reach us at the website, and that's uh, sundownrundown.org, or email me at uh, info at sundownrundown.org. Really appreciate your time t- today. It's a oh. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Is this Catherine? Yes, it is. Catherine, I'm really happy to have you on the program. Uh, you, you have a very interesting company. You're uh, in, in the time that uh, you have pitched me and other people. I've come to have a great deal of respect for you. So Thank I'm, you. Well, so, um, we always ask our guests a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything further. Uh, so, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, the first thing you should know is that I was born in Peru, in South America. So, I have a lot of cultural background. I travel a lot. I have two sisters and, you know, great family. I just got married last November. So that's, you know, more of my personal side. I have a true passion for anything that relates to the fashion industry. And I also have a knack for connecting people, connecting the dots, uh, putting people together, matchmaking. Um, I just have that sort of gift and loving. I love to, to meet people and go out and communicate and go to events. So it's definitely a career choice that suits me. Well, we're really happy to have you on. Uh, on. And I noticed that uh, another guest has come on board. And I w- uh, hope you don't mind. I think the two of you will be very complimentary. So I'd like oh. to bring her, her in right now. Okay? Perfect. Sure. Hello. Is this Kristen? Yes, it is. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, Kristen. Uh, we have uh, on board with you. Uh, this is Kristen Savago, uh, who's here, uh, who has a fascinating approach to sales. And we have Catherine Niefeld, who's founder and president of Blink Public Relations. And I think it's really uh, great uh, that the two of you are on together, because I'd like to have kind of have an interactive conversation for the next uh, four, uh, few minutes, uh, uh, if you are amenable to it. And then, um, if you have time, we have a very interesting guest coming on at 840 who has a problem. Um, he's got a terrific product but doesn't know how to market it. Um, and uh, I thought we'd listen to him a little bit and then uh, kind of have an interactive session. Would that be of interest to you t- two ladies. Absolutely. Uh, because um, uh, the both of you have my greatest respect uh, for what you're doing. So first I'd like to go back to, to uh, Catherine and to talk a l- little bit about um, PR for small business, and then I'd like to uh, jump back to Catherine and then talk a little bit about uh, what I think are very unusual ideas for sales. Is that okay with the two of you? Yep. Yep. So, Catherine, um, my question to you, the reason I have you in the program, you've had some very interesting uh, uh, 
clients over, over time, and what I've noticed is you've done a great deal for them. And um, uh, my first question is, uh, a small business, should they have PR, and if so, how should uh, that uh, how should they a choose an agency and work with an agency? That's a broad question, and I'll just give you the floor to just talk. Oh, thank you. That's an, a stellar question, actually, because a lot of people ask me that question, and I believe that every small business needs PR, and you know, different businesses are at different stages of the game in brand building. But the great thing about our PR firm is that we help with everything from branding to graphics to photography, website, and PR. And that's super important, first off, if you're a small business, to have all those materials in hand when you sign with a PR firm because the PR firm is there to promote your business and to have the necessary materials to get you into the media. Now, any small business is just starting out, so they're kind of getting all their ducks in a row. But PR really helps with a few things, and those things are visibility, um, branding for the company, and then also that relates to things like social media because we assist with that as well. Social media is becoming a large factor when it comes to PR because now anyone can really do their own PR in a sense. But the great thing about having a firm when you're a small business is that you have a direction, and that direction comes from your publicist. You know, we get millions of emails every day from different um, media outlets that are interested in working with us, and it's our job to not only direct the client as to their demographic, their, you know, which kind of outlets they should go for, where they are in their business, should they go after television, or should they do something more... Uh, lenient um, or smaller, such as a magazine in their local area, we kind of give them the roadmap to success. And that's, I think, what makes PR special for small businesses that may not have a direction yet or a strategy. We really consult one-on-one -on -one with them with exactly how to get to the top. And the great part about Blink PR is that we offer different tiers so that people can choose, okay, I'm a small company, I can only afford a small package right now, and maybe I don't want to be on the Today Show because I don't even have enough units available. So we pretty much assess where the business is, and then with our relationships with the media, we spotlight different companies in different outlets such as newspapers, magazines, TV, radio, and online. And then we tie that into the social media, which has become a huge important point in getting across the consumers. So that's, that, I would say, is, is very important for, for small businesses to have, and I think it's a great question, too. Well, but let me ask you, the big thing is um, PR is something you can't really measure. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people think they can't measure PR, or, or for that matter, social media. How do you Absolutely. measure how it's do you funny measure? because it's true. A lot of people ask me that question before they sign up. They say, will I get more sales? Will I get more hits on my website? And really, it is hard to measure, but there are some specific situations with certain outlets, such as let's say the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or the Today Show, where you see such a spike in sales that clients are calling me telling me, 
something just happened in the media because I'm getting calls all of a sudden. So in a way, it is sort of measurable because I've had many instances where clients have come to me and they have noticed an increase in sales from one day from one program or from one newspaper hit or from one magazine that's on the newsstand. A lot of customers that come to them actually tell them, you know, I saw your products in People's Style Watch magazine, and then they come back to us and they tell us that. So we've actually been able to kind of do a few case studies on great outlets for different products and how to measure that, which is amazing. And it also reflects in social media as well because we see the number of likes and the number of comments going up when they get a big hit. So um, it's not directly measurable, but in a way it is because we get a lot of feedback from their customers and we also get a lot of spike in sales and awareness and interest on the day of the program or the magazine outlet or whatever comes out. Well, uh, we're going to go to Kristen now. Uh, and, and first, Kristen, tell us a little bit about your background, because I found it fascinating. I'm sure our audience will as, as well. Well, I don't know if it's fascinating, um, but uh, I've just oh, been Oh, I helping, think it is. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, I've been helping companies grow for about, well, more than 40 years now, um, and just working on the marketing and sales side, but I actually call myself a revenue coach because what I really focus on, regardless of whether it's sales or marketing or even product development, product management, um, there are a lot of different parts of the company that factor into the growth of a company. So I work with the very smallest companies and startups all the way up to Fortune 500 companies and um, basically just figure out what's not working and what needs to be fixed. And I usually do that by going out and interviewing their customers and finding out um, with just a few interviews. It's a, a method I've developed over thousands of interviews and written a book about it. Uh, what the company does well and how they made it easy for somebody to buy and what the company needs to improve on and what's broken and Existing customers know those things better than prospects that have not yet bought from you. So you really can find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. You can then promote your strengths and work on the background on your weaknesses. So you're, you're if I hear you correctly, saying the, the, uh, the best approach is really talk to your customers, find out yep. what they like and don't like. Yeah, and what they thought was... Um, Easy. The, the nice thing about current customers, uh, especially if you tell them up front and, and hold your, keep this promise that their comments will not be attributed to them specifically. They'll just go into a report that's categorized by subject. If, again, this is part of the, the methodology of doing these interviews in a way that gives you the data you need that allows you to then take the data and you can actually see the trends. If you even just talk to 10 or 15 people at the most, you will see definite trends. People will, a lot of people will say, well, they're real good at this, but they're not so good at that. And uh, even people who never talk to each other will agree on what your strengths and weaknesses are. Well, how do you get, uh, being a reporter as long as I have, what kind of questions do you ask uh, a, a customer that uh, st starts to elicit comments? Um, I have a set of questions that I've developed, again, over thousands of interviews and refined them. They are open-ended. They're in my book. But they're questions like just 
basic ones. What do you think of our product and services? Um, how, why did you buy from us? And what, how was your experience? What, made, what was easy? What was hard? Um, companies actually make it difficult for people to buy, and we don't think about it that way as sellers, but we definitely run into those things as buyers. Uh, where you're trying to buy something and they're asking for too much information or the wet form is uh, unclear or they don't answer your questions. That's the biggest um, problem that people have when they're trying to buy something. Um, I also ask questions like, um, if you were the CEO of our company tomorrow, what's the first thing you would focus on? So that tells you the things that they think that you should fix, and there's always good advice in there. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that they have? which un unveils some opportunities uh, for you, and then um, what trends they see in their industry or market. Those are some of the examples of questions that you can ask. And then you just let them talk. Well, that's often the most difficult part is letting people uh, <laughs> uh, You always want to get a comment. What's the name of your book? Uh, it's called Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. Well, that sounds like a uh, interesting title. Uh, tell, uh, tell us a little bit more. Um, what do you find are some of the common problems, particularly small businesses, have, and they don't realize that they have the problem? Well, the most interesting thing about the work that I do is when I first start talking with a company, they tell me what they think is important to the customer. They they believe that they know the customer and they've worked out the things they think are important. And uh, the things that they think are important from their product perspective, in other words, what the customer would be most interested in or think is the most significant about their product. And it's a list of things like one to ten items. Then you go out and you interview your cust their customers and you discover the list is completely different. Even the reason why they bought the product or service in the first place is different than what the company was thinking. And I, I've just that has always been the case. And sometimes there are a few items on the list that are uh that they that are that the two entities have in common, but they're in a completely different order. So what was first on the, the list of the seller is number nine on the list of the buyer. And the reason for that is that there are things that are put into a product that are actually quite difficult to achieve. And so the developers of the product think, wow, that's really significant. We got it in there. It's great. And then they think that's the number one thing. And it turns out it could be just table stakes. People expect everybody to have that. And maybe this one is more elegant than the others, but it's not that big of a difference. Well, uh, let me go back to Catherine for a minute and ask, do you often, uh, uh, in, in working with your clients, do you often find that to be the case? The client thinks one thing and the audience thinks another? Absolutely. It happens all the time, especially <laughs> in the case of, um, in my situations, what I've encountered is the client is so set on a certain direction or a certain group of people that they say, this is my customer, and then all of a sudden they start getting interest from other groups of people outside their demographic, and the response from the audience is not what the client expects. And it's, um, it's pretty interesting to see that because sometimes when the client has something in their head and a certain idea in their mind, 
it turns out to be completely different when you put something out there to the media, to the consumers, and to a large audience, and you get different types of feedback from people. And even when people do product reviews, I mean, I do a lot of product PR, so just the idea of what the strengths and weaknesses of the product are turn out to be very different than what the client may have expected from the product initially, especially with small businesses that don't have any case studies or any uh, groups that they test on, things like that. So that's what I've encountered. Yeah, and Catherine, you've also got the media to deal with, and they have a completely <laughs> different set of requirements, right? Exactly. What they think is a hot story is, uh, may not even be of interest to the customer or uh, some, some trend that they're following is, is you know, exactly. a way they will look at the product, and the customer or your client isn't even thinking of it that way. Exactly, and our job a lot of the time with these customers and clients is to direct them, tell them what the trends are, Tell them, hey, this is what the editor is looking for. And then sometimes we have the clients come back and work on that. Yes. Yes. Are we still on? Yeah. Did we lose Don? Don, are you there? Uh Uh-oh. I think we might have lost Don, maybe when somebody else came on. Well, we'll yeah, hang on there. something happened. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Oh, we might have to call back in. I don't know. We just lost the signal. No, no, no. I'm here. Okay. Oh. No, I'm here. Sorry about that, ladies. But um, our uh, our guest had the wrong phone number. Ah, oh. okay. <laughs> and he's calling in in about uh, five in about five minutes, but I wanted to give you, uh, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, Absolutely. um, I I hope our audience is learning as much as I am. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm going to go back to Kristen and ask her um, uh, some of of the things that um, you've indicated companies don't realize uh, what's really selling. But uh, the question I really give to both of you ladies, uh, and which I've seen is sometimes the customers won't, uh, the clients won't listen. How do you handle a situation like that? Hmm. Oh, gosh, well, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's it's actually, first. yeah, I'll go first. What I've discovered over the years is if it's just me coming in and saying these things, um, they can. It's it's one person's word against another, and they have a lot of background in their area. That's why I always go out and talk to customers because I have thoughts. Of course, after doing this so many years with so many companies, of course I have thoughts when I first interview them and 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 talk to a client. Say, what are your issues? What are you trying to accomplish? And so on. And I give them advice and everything, but I don't really get into it until I've talked to their customers. Because the customers tell me things that I would not have thought of either. I always learn something from those interviews. It's, it's quite humbling, frankly. I mean, as much as we all consider ourselves experts on human behavior and why people buy things and um, what they find useful in products, um, we're always a little bit surprised, and sometimes we're very surprised. And so bringing that data 
back into the the conference room and just dumping it on the table, they read the reports. I, I have the conversations recorded and transcribed and then split up into categories. So you'll have a whole section of the report saying, here's how people answered this question. And over and over again, you're seeing the same basic answer. Well, you really have to be um, super stubborn to not admit that, that there's the truth. It's sitting, staring you in the face. And frankly, I don't work with jerks. That's one of my, that's actually my only business role. And um, so the guys that I, the guys and gals that I do work with do want to hear the truth. And as tough as it may be to make some changes, they're willing to do it because the customer has spoken and the customer is the one with the money who's going to make them successful. Catherine, would you like to uh, chime in on that? Well, for me, it's it's really hard because a lot of the times the customer or the client will have a faulty product or something that doesn't work in their product. Maybe they're creating clothing with a trend that's sort of out of date or, you know, a hair extension that doesn't curl correctly. I mean, there's all types of situations that can happen when you have products. So I try my best to kind of share the constructive criticism with them, and hopefully they take that and they improve their product. Now, some of them believe that their product is the best thing since sliced bread, and, and there's nothing we can do to stop that. But at the end of the day, if you kind of explain why the product is not attracting press and why the press is not reviewing the product, they'll know eventually that they have to make some changes because they're also paying us as a PR to get them press. And if the product is not working properly or is not doing what it's supposed to do, then they go back and they say, okay, maybe we should come back to you when we improve the product because they realize that there's a reason that the press is saying this. And the press has a lot of power. If the press says there's no story behind, you know, your act or, you know, what you do, your skills, your your um, your services or your products, then pretty much it's, it's, it's a, a very important thing to listen to because the media knows what they're talking about. They influence us every single day. So my, my uh, clients have learned to take that, you know, with a grain of salt, but they've learned to improve their products and their services with it. Well, can I go back to... Uh, uh, Kristen, a minute and ask um, um, a question, uh, which I try to. Are there differences between how women and men perceive products? Um, yes and no, and I, I would say it's mostly. Well, um, of course, um, <laughs> you know the real answer is yes, um, probably. However. When it comes to products and types of people who are interested in those products, their own, I would say people are, are more easily categorized, not so much by their sex or even their age or it's sort of those obvious demographics, but they are more categorized by their interest in that subject. So we have people now who, who are really, really into a particular type of thing and they spend a lot of time thinking about it. They're on discussion groups with other like-minded people online. 
you know, you can find other people interested in all sorts of very esoteric things. My husband's an inventor, a designer type of person. He spends all of his time making things. And, you know, he's in there listening to or, or interacting with guys that are making their own speakers and um, of a certain type and they're engineered a certain way. And, and it, it gets very granular these days. So I don't, I don't think you can... Uh, make those kinds of generalities, but you can, one of the things I do in my book is I talk about the different types of products and services based on the amount of scrutiny that the person will apply to the purchase. So there are light scrutiny products, medium scrutiny products, heavy and intense scrutiny products. The, The light ones are down in the chewing gum category and the intense ones are up there with cars and houses and big software programs and things like that. The buying process for those is different in each category, and they can be very classified. In other words, it's in the book I talk about those four categories and what you can expect in the buying process. And there are a lot of things that young companies do that they don't need to do with, say, a light scrutiny product um, that they really should do if they're selling an intense scrutiny product. So I think those categories are more meaningful. That's interesting. I, I see our, uh, our uh, next guest is, is waiting to come on board. But before we do, uh, Kristen, will you tell, tell us the name of your book again and how people can get it? Sure. It's Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. It's available on Amazon and in bookstores and every place else. Um, it's Kindle version, of course and uh, other electronic versions. But Amazon's the easiest way to get it. And uh, Catherine, please tell us how people can reach you. Absolutely. My website is www.blinkpr.com, B-L-I-N-K-P as in Peter, R as in Robert.com. And my email is Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at blinkpr.com, and you can just call me directly, too, at 305-490-5911. Thank you. I wanted to stay on. Now, uh, we just, uh, uh, our next guest is Bruce Holden. He has a new technology-advanced sunglass offering, and he, he, he talks about the challenges. And, Bruce, are you with us? I am indeed. Okay, Bruce, I have two uh, experts that are going to help you. Uh, okay. Uh, but first, uh, we want to know a little bit about your background and then a little bit about your product, which um, I, I know from uh, people who have tested it is really great. But first, a little bit about yourself. Well, something very interesting about me is the fact that I come from a family of opticians. I have five brothers, six of us all were opticians at one point, and we used to work with each other years ago, and that's not the case today, but it was when we began. So my background in optics is very deep and been in optics for over 40 years now, and we have developed a new technology that came out of Europe for a whole different purpose, uh, but it works extremely well, and and I'll let you take it from here. (laughs) Well... Well, what is your product? In your own words, tell us your product. Our product is called Extreme Glare Technology. And the reason we developed it is that we 
noticed that over a period of time that people were only being sold sunglasses and regular glasses that are based on fashion. But there's lots of people who need a special protection, special type of uh, a shielding from the sun and glare. I'm sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, we're all here listening to you. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we, we found that nobody was paying any attention to a lot of people who have sensitive eyes, who have uh, eye problems, uh, are, are people who just want to see better or do better in bright, bright, bright sunlight. So we developed this technology, like I said, from a, a technology out of Europe, and it works extremely well in, in terms of blocking the sun and the glare. So on the water, on the snow, any glary surface or in the sun, our technology outdoes everybody in the whole world. There's nobody who comes close to us. Oh, oh, modesty becomes you. Um, but <laughs> uh, but uh, also the thing that really got me interested um, and since I used to work for Aviation Week, uh, pilots are not permitted to use uh, Polaroid uh, sunglasses in the cockpit because that, because of the electronic display. And right. yet Correct. They're, uh, they're rushing to your product because it enables them uh, to see the display and also um, uh, look out at the sky. Am I correct that on correct. that? Yes, that is correct. Okay. We found we have... that... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead, Bruce. No, you're the Before guest. Before the digital revolution, Polaroid lenses were the number one kingpin of all sunglasses. But since the digital revolution and since everything is in digital screens and a term they call LCD or LED on reading displays, people cannot use Polaroid lenses to see the instruments. It works against them. So Polaroid lenses are now passe because they do not work in the cockpit, in the car, uh, at, you re, try to read your cell phone or try to read a gas pump or a fish finder or anything digital, you can't read it with a Polaroid lens. And that's where my technology comes in because you can with mine, and even though we cut more glare, you can still read every instrument just fine. Okay. Now, uh, ladies... Um, here's where your expertise comes on. I ran across uh, Bruce because uh, uh, we, ha uh, uh, we 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 have our webmaster. We have a mutual webmaster. So, um, but his problem is, how does how does he go, go about um, uh, generating interest and um, in his product. For instance, I saw his, uh, they're working on a press release, and uh, I even took a shot at it. And uh, anyway, that's the background. Do you, do you ladies have any thoughts? You want to go first, Catherine? You can go. It's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I have some questions uh, for you sure. first. Um, what have you done so far to market your product? Well, uh, you got to remember, I, I'm I'm not a marketing expert and uh, and or genius in that area. I'm an optician uh, of many years. So what we've done is uh, through our normal retail chains and through the internet, we're trying to to uh, announce this new technology to the world. And the things we find that is that there's so many people who have severe eye problems that are not being met with all the other technology. 
So we're trying to reach these people and say, folks, we've got something that really, really, truly works. And if you give it a try, we'll show you and guarantee it 100% that it will work exactly like we say it will. Okay. And uh, have, you, have you tried to target, in other words, have you mapped out the types of people who would be most interested in these? Yes. And have you gone out and have yes. you interviewed them to try to find out what they want in glasses? No, I haven't interviewed them, uh, but we do lots of trade shows, and we go to uh, aviation trade shows and boat trade shows, and so we have talked to many, many people over the years. We know that our product is needed. Uh, the question is, how do we do it on a limited income? Because most companies, for example, uh, uh, Ray-Ban, and all, they all have millions and millions of dollars uh, for advertising budget, and we just don't have that. So it, it's very difficult for us to get the word out that we have something new and something worthwhile, and that's where you guys come in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I noticed, um, I've been to your, as we were talking here, I went to your Facebook page, I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and I can tell you right now that there's a lot of information that's missing. In other words, you're not, uh, and I see you've got some YouTube videos, and that's good. I'm obviously not going to play them while we're on the line here. But um, sure. uh, I, I'm not seeing the kind of, um, I don't know if, I guess you weren't on the phone when we were talking about people with interests. So it sounds like you've got two types of audiences. You've got people who have hobbies or professions that require that they use uh, your type of sunglasses. That's correct. And then you have, yeah. and then you have people who have health issues. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. There's some other smaller groups, just people who want to be um, with it or fashionable or whatever. But I don't think you're really. That's not your main audience. Your main audience would be either the people with the hobby or the profession. Correct. And then, and then the people with some kind of health issue where they absolutely have to have these to help right. prevent eye damage. Right. So it seems to me that you should be saying, okay, those are our two markets, and then we subdivide those markets and say, all right, of the professions and hobbies, there are pilots, there are um, uh, sailors, you know, you've got your, your marine people, your aviation people. So you develop those, the skiers, people like that. Uh -huh. And now, you, now you've got to say, all right, of those audiences, where do they go? Who do they, what do they pay attention to? What blogs are they reading? Um, what what would they be interested in in Facebook? How can we take somebody who's using these and make that person a little case study for us to give us, I mean, every time you get one customer, you try to turn them into um, a Facebook little story or a little video or um, try to find something unusual or different that somebody's done with your glasses. Uh, so you're associating your glasses with adventurous, adventurous people who are different and have a little story to tell. So the glasses uh -huh. become more than just the glasses. You're not selling uh -huh. glasses. You're selling a solution to a problem for other people who have a similar problem. Exactly right. That okay. is a great so, – may I interrupt and just say that's a sure. great – that is a great comment right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Very good. So – the biggest problem that I have with, you know, you asked me earlier, Don, about people who, um, whether the customer is willing to listen. The real problem everyone has, especially small business people, is you get into something, you're passionate about it, and you think like a seller. You have to sell these things. 
the buyer is not thinking, I have to buy this thing. The buyer is sort of looking out at the world and saying, well, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. They're only going to be intrigued if you're addressing what they care about. So the most important thing you can do first is figure out what do they care about. So you take these audiences and you start building People call them personas. I, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, but you, you build a, a picture of this person and what they care about, and then you start trying to figure out where do they talk to other people about that and how can we bring the people to the fore who are using these and let them tell your story for you. That, that's, that's really good. good. That's yeah. good advice. We have lots of lots of good testimonials of people who will do exactly what you're talking about. I just haven't approached it from that angle. Well, <laughs> <laughs> time to start. Yep. Yeah. Kristen, do you have some comment you want to make? Catherine. Oh yes, I do. Uh, well, going off, Kristen's comments were amazing, and you know, very similar to PR and how a publicist thinks. In the world of PR, the first step is always to evaluate who your audience is. And like Kristen said, the two main audiences that you're trying to go after here would be people that are health conscious or that have maybe an eyesight problem, um, are looking for a solution, or um, the people who are avid sports fans or love to be outdoors are doing different things in that realm. So the first step in the world of PR is to pinpoint the media outlets that would be targeted to those two audiences. Um, and in your research, definitely figure out, you know, who your customer is in terms of age, in terms of male or female. Is it more um, people with money, people with less money? How expensive is your product? I mean, all those questions are super important for a publicist to take with them and say, okay, let me pull a list of people that fall into the categories of health and wellness or sports and hobbies or, um, you know, ages 25 to 40 male, let's say. It makes uh -huh. our job a lot easier to target our campaigns so that it's directed to the people who are going to pick up a magazine and want to look for your product. I mean, there are people out there that, that, you know, they do look at the world like, okay, like I, I want to buy stuff. But there are people that also are looking at the world and saying, hey, like I have this problem with my eyes. Like what can I do? Where can I find a pair of sunglasses that will fix it? And that's where they're going to pick up a magazine and run into your product because they're the demographic that's already reading that type of magazine, and that's where you're going to hit them. And, of course, just some little tips, you know, definitely do research on, uh, names of editors, articles where you think people will read about your product um, uh, that falls into that demographic. Even at yes. the end of an article sometimes, they might put their email on there. I mean, when I first started my PR firm, I just went ahead and started doing a lot of reading and reaching out directly and finding out, you know, in the masthead or at the bottom of the article who that person was and how I can contact them, and I call them directly. And sometimes you have to pitch these people directly in order to get their attention because they get thousands of emails a day. And yeah. whatever separates a PR firm from just doing it yourself is obviously their relationship. You know, we have quality relationships that we, we use the same people over and over, 
but at the same time, it, it separates the brand as well, and you have representation. But, of course, there are ways to do it on your own, and I also recommend using social media. Like Kristen said about the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube, I think that these are all means where you can capitalize on your product and also get it in front of a lot of people with just a small amount of time. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my clients will post on Instagram and maybe uh-huh. get one blogger to repost it or one celebrity, or not even a big celebrity, like a reality star, something like that. Just send them a pair, and and you'll get five orders in five minutes. It's crazy. I've had case studies with that, and you can see how powerful from you know increasing the amount of YouTube uh, likes and getting bloggers to share that on their blog to get the word out there more and spread it around. I mean, it's very simple to just email people, um, you know, on their contact forms or however they, they want to express their their contact information. But um, it, it's definitely time-consuming, but you need to know, A, who the customer is, and B, how to get in front of them. And those are the two main things that both Kristen and I can shed some light on, so I hope we did. Well, what Christian said a moment ago, I thought really hit home, and I think, and I'm going to really, really uh, hone in on that, is that what do they really care about? And we know that boaters, <laughs> marine people, boaters, they they're really into fashion. That's all they care about. Even though they, you know, they always really bite on the water and stuff like that. The bottom line is that they really care about fashion and how they look. So this is something we run into quite a bit. That we're not trying to address the fashion part, but we're trying to uh, trying to pinpoint what what they care about. And a lot of these people need serious protection for their eyes, and they would if they just knew where to get it, they would go crazy because we have something like that. And so that's that's really good, Christian, and you, both of you guys. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Well, um, uh, Bruce, one of the things maybe you should send these ladies each a pair. And see what they think. Well, yeah. if they're willing to, to try them out, I'd be happy to. Well, uh, go ahead. We, I would love to try it here. Anytime you're doing PR or sales or working with anyone of that nature, the best part is to experience the product because then you can really get a feel for how to write about it, how to pitch sure. it to the media, how to sell it, you know, because you need someone right. as passionate as you that's going to help you along those lines. I would love to try it. Uh, yes, is there any way we can get their addresses to send them to, Don? I will oh. I will, I will. do it for, for you after Thank the you. program. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Sure. I may even ask for a pair myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, your eyes will thank you. I promise you. When you yeah, that's you, great. Don, there's nothing like them in the world. I mean, they're incredible how they work. And so I know all of you guys will really enjoy the technology. Well, so, can, I, can I interrupt in here and just, uh, you know, Bruce, you keep saying that, but I, um, intuitively I feel that's not the sell point in, in my view. And I was wondering if the ladies would comment on that. They're being okay. polite, but I'm not polite. I'm a newsman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And what, what's your point, Don? You're, you're saying that Bruce keeps talking about... How, how there's nothing else in, in the world like it. Um, uh, you know, it's the best in the world. Yet, uh, that's pre- that's almost a turnoff to a lot of people really? when you say that. Really? 
Wow. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because everybody Even though it's that. the truth? No, 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 it doesn't matter, because it's not specific enough, and that's one of the lessons you learn oh, with marketing. Okay. If, okay. If, if somebody comes up to you that you've never known before, and they just say, you know, this is the greatest stuff, you have to try this, this is so good, that you don't know them from Adam, you don't know why they're telling you that, and they're just selling. Remember the selling mindset again is just so people have been sold to for years and years and yep. you know we yep. see 3000 commercials a day and we hear everybody saying their stuff is great but if you can be more specific if you can go and I was you know looking at your website there's some testimonials in there about from pilots and people like that who sure. very specific issues that they had where they couldn't find to something that would solve their problem for them and you have solved it and by the way I I uh, disagree with you about all voters. I'm a sailor myself, and I'm not into fashion. Um, I'm definitely into practicality and, and starting to think I really should get some glasses. Um, so this is all good stuff. But, yep. so again, you have to be careful to, to categorize your audience based on their interests. And specifically, this is one of the reasons I interview customers, because they will tell us why they bought the product and the way okay. they describe that is going to be completely different than the way that you would talk about it. I don't know if well, some of us are old enough to remember some of those old commercials where two housewives are talking to each other about no ring around the collar and you know they're oh, having yeah. this really fake conversation that no two sane women would ever have with each other. <laughs> and, and it's supposed to be real life and everybody knows it's fake. Well, that's what it sounds like when you're saying that these are great and you're going to love them and it's the best thing ever. It's not specific enough. It isn't really what I'm interested in. You haven't yet addressed my specific requirement. And you'll only get that data by, by interviewing your customers. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Bruce, what is your website? Z, little z, dash, little x, G.com. It stands for Zurich Extreme Glare. Dot com. Oh, oh, you confused me. Say it again. Just uh, <laughs> and by the way, that's the problem. There's a problem. Little right Wait, wait, yeah, wait, Bruce. You're saying something very important, which I agree with. So little your z. website should be. Well, hang on a second. I know it's z xgcom Okay, but Correct. that's it. That's not something I can remember. That's not something I can easily pass mm -hmm. on to somebody. Your word of mouth is killing you on your website. You should find a website like Extreme, even if it's long, even if it's ExtremeGlareSunglasses.com. Mm -hmm. oh, would be right? ten that's, times that's better than dash I have Because we have the name of the trademark of Extreme Glare. So we can well, use that. All right, well, you have to, the, the trademark is going to be different than the website. Just go to register.com and type in uh, the website name that you want uh, and see if somebody's taken it already. That's always the trick. But okay. you can probably get anything that's going to be better, anything with extreme glare, extreme sunglasses, or glare sunglasses. Any of those is going to be preferable to z-xg.com. That's killing huh. you. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Well, these are two of the smartest women I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's excellent. And, and I'm, I'm married to, to them. 
and I'm married to a Harvard MBA. So, uh, but uh, 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 we'll start with, with you, Kristen. Any um, any uh, final thoughts you'd like to make and uh, tell people about you? Uh, I know I've learned a lot. Tell people about your book again. Well, again, the book is Roadmap to Revenue. Just type that into Amazon or, or Google. You'll find me. Um, my website has all my contact information on it. Um, I, I, I really would just say to people, the book, I, the reason I wrote the book is because I'm only one person. I can only serve so many clients at a given time. And I wanted to get this concept out into the market that when you're sitting there scratching your head like Bruce trying to figure out how to do a better job selling your product, it turns out that if you even just have 10 customers, you can turn around and mine that data and learn things that will take you out of your own comfort zone and out of your little seller mindset and get you into the buyer mindset, which is where you need to be in order to sell. Which you just think which you two ladies just demonstrated on this program. Um, Catherine, any final thoughts? Yes, I mean, I have to say I definitely agree about the name. Whenever you choose a name for a company or for a product, make it stand out in a way that it explains what is great about your product. If the whole glare situation is what's going to make your product successful and what makes it stand apart, make sure that that name is in there, whether it's glare, sunglasses, or whatever it is. But I totally agree with that. And also, um, you know, just having that mindset that you don't just want to say this is the next revolutionary product. I mean, you have to give specific points on what makes your product different. That's what's really going to catch the media's attention because you can only imagine how many things are thrown their way every day from thousands of people. So... I, yeah. I tend to agree with the comments previously. And, you know, I, I don't have a book. I want to write a book one day. And, you know, my, my way of getting things out there is, to, you know, by pitching my clients to the press and, you know, helping small companies and businesses grow. And that's what I'm passionate about. I mean, I never started my business to start a business. I started it because I love PR and I wanted to help small companies expand. And then people started coming to me and saying, hey, I need your help. Hey, I need your help. And I was like, okay, now I have five clients. What do I do? So, you know, my my best advice and offering is that you can come to me anytime. Um, you know, you can email me, call me. BlinkPR.com is my website. All my contact info is on there. And, you know, any, any questions, any new business uh, that is out there may have, you can definitely come to me with your questions. I'm happy to answer them. And thank you. And Bruce, any final thoughts? No, I'm just I'm just amazed that you have such intelligent women on your program. <laughs> hey, I groove on intelligent women. Judging by their I, photographs, I they're run. beautiful too. I'm sorry, Bruce. <laughs> I wish I had run into these ladies uh, years ago uh, uh, because I well, it's never too late. It's this. never too. I thought I was it's never too that. late. Never too late. Good, thank you. <laughs> You'll be fine. Just, just yeah. listen to your customers. Put them out there. Make their story your story, and and upgrade, update your Facebook page. It needs updating. It's got some old data in there. Well, what I will do is send an email to all three of you 
so that you can um, uh, talk to directly. How's that? That sounds great. Right. Absolutely. That would be great. Be great. Be okay, super. and thank you all for what I think is a, ver- uh, a very informative program. I really appreciate your time and effort. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, nice ladies. Thank you, all. all right. Thank you, Don. Thank you for listening You're welcome. tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer Bye-bye. actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.